Thank you for checking out our podcast today. We hope that the teaching you're about to hear will inspire you and motivate you on your incredible journey in becoming a better you. So please turn your attention to today's message. It is such an honor to be standing here today. It really is celebrating Women's Month. And like um, Jessica said, when we say Women's Month, we're not saying you guys are excluded, okay? Because when God speaks, he said there is no male, female, Greek, or Jew. When he speaks, he speaks to all of us. And I truly believe that God has a plan, an amazing plan for this month. Um, Know that he doesn't always have it. But I believe that this month is going to be a month of breakthrough, healing, restoration. Amen. At least I need that. At least I need that. I've been thinking about um, love and this love that we've been unwrapping since January. Right? We were talking about what what this love is all about. We're talking about who loves us. And then a couple of weeks ago, I talked about what is our response to this love. And you know, we always see in stadiums that Bible verse John 3.16. And I'm telling you, it's not a cute sign. It's really a, a, a commitment of God towards us, right? And so John 3.16 reads, God loved the people in the world so much that he gave his one and only son to save them. As a result, everyone who believes in him will die, um, in the son will not die. Instead, they would live forever with God. God did not send his son into the world because he wanted to punish people. And I did not have this on my notes. So I know that they're trying to find the Bible verse, but it was early this morning. Amen? Uh, He sent his son to save the people in the world from from punishment. It is a declaration of God's love. He sent his son so we can be redeemed. He forgiven, restored, healed. And so we can live in him, with him, amen, so we can remain in his love, so we can stand, stay, stand and stay in his love, in him. We don't always say uh, number 17, because, you know, some of us tend to judge a little bit more than others, amen? But he only came for one purpose and one purpose only, which was to save us, to, to restore us into right relationship with himself. He loved us so much that when Adam and Eve sinned, he immediately put a plan in place so we'll be able to have open access to him. Immediately. So they sinned in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. By Genesis 3.15, God already told us his plan. That his son will come so we will have, that his love was so, 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 so great towards us. That he didn't want anybody to perish. That he wanted us to, um, to live. Don't misunderstand me. Stand me. I'm not saying that we don't have to deal with sin. Amen. We do. Because we are sinful people, right? But what I'm saying is, can we love people enough? To attract them into the kingdom, into God's presence. So then the Holy Spirit can do its job, his job, which is bring us closer into transformation and closer to being like Christ. It's not my job to tell you what your sin is. My job is to bring you into the fold. Bring you, um, you, you look at my life and then you say, oh, I want what she wants. And when you come to me, I said, it's Jesus. 
Amen. It's Jesus. I hear people and I hear some leaders um, talk about others and talk about people and present a Christ that is so unloving. So, it's almost, you know, when you go to the carnivals, you know, well, we go to Ocean City, Maryland, or the beach, and they have these carnivals, and they have that, I don't know the name of that game where the head pops up, and then you start hitting. All right, look at you all. Okay. Some of us have that idea about Christ because of how we present presented Christ to others, right? That Christ, that God is sitting at his throne waiting for our head to pop up and then with a hammer said, you sin, you sin, you sin. That's not Christ. That's not God. That's not God. When our head pops up, I said, oh, God is saying, come to me. Come to me if you're broken. Come to me if you're sick. Come to me if you need to be loved. Come to me because I got you. I got you. The Bible verse theme for this month is a very simple. Y'all can memorize it and you will just know it. It's a very long Bible verse, so take enough time to memorize, right? First John 4, 19. And he said, the, uh, the Bible says, we love or I love because he first loved me. That's it. That's the entire Bible verse. In one of the versions says, we're able to love God and other people because God loved us first. We love each other because he loved us first. We love him because he loved us first. So come on. I know we all could say that Bible verse by the end of May, right? First John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. And when we love him, automatically we love the things that he loves. We love the people that we think are unlovable, but he knows, he tells us that they are lovable. We love his ways, we love his word, we love his, um, him, him, we love his presence, we love the people around me, uh, and as you know, I do have an issue with traffic, so I love every, every driver on 95. Yesterday, I had to go to graduation for Easter. It took me, it said 50 minutes. It took me an hour and 30 minutes because everybody decided to be on the streets, on the roads on Saturday at five o'clock. So I was loving all of them. Every one of them that cut me off, I was loving them, amen? I was, I was, being, I was trying to be patient and kind because that's what love is all about, right? And the word that love word that was used on first John 4 19 is the agape love, right? I wanted to give my daughter, my oldest daughter, that as her name. And my husband said no because it's gonna be mispronounced. And I was like, but it means unconditional love. It is the highest, most pure form of love. It's all about choice. It's not about that he loved us because he had to, or because he um he was obligated to love us. He chose to love us. He chose us even before the foundation of the world. It's the say agape is the word that you'll find on 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 4 to 8, where it says that it's patient, it's kind, um, it's not arrogant. When you have that whole list of all the characteristics of what agape love is all about, that is the Bible verse. Amen? 
Agape love is a restoring love, and I believe that we're going to be restored today. It is a transforming love. It doesn't let you be the same. It doesn't, it doesn't, it causes you to change according to his will. It is sacrificial. After all, he did come and die um, for us so we may have life and have it more abundantly. It's an action love. So you, it's not just a word love. Like I'd say, oh my God, I love it. I love it. It's my favorite sentence, right? I went, um, visited a place and it was a beautiful architecture and the the grass was beautiful, the trees were beautiful, and I, everything I kept saying, oh my Lord, oh, I love it here. Oh, I love the grass. Oh, I love the trees. And it's like, oh my God, I love it. You look so cute. I love that outfit. We just throw the word love all over the place because it's such a strong word. It's like you, but the love of God can equate to those sentences. I thought I understood love. I was talking to Pastor Becky and I said, I thought I understood love. I really did. But the more I'm learning, the more I'm allowing his love to work within me, the more I realized that I didn't know what love was. Not his love, right? Not that love that loves up so unconditionally that I don't have to do anything to deserve it. It's hard to understand because when we think about human love, right, sometimes we have to do things to receive love back. Or sometimes in human love, they take the love back if I don't do what they want me to do, right? Sometimes they said in the name of love, and then they abuse us physically. Or in the name of love, they abuse you emotionally. Or in the name of love, they crush your dreams because they don't match their dreams. We do so many things that are harmful in the name of love. But isn't it awesome to know that Christ's love or God's love, agape love, is none of those things. He doesn't abuse you. He doesn't use you. He doesn't crush your dreams. He actually says, you got great visions, but mine are higher than that for you. He says, you think that's good? Let me show you. Because what I have for you is better than what you even ever thought, or what anybody else thought. Agape love isn't just out of emotions or feelings of familiarity. It requires faithfulness, commitment, and sacrifice without expecting anything in return. And so when we said that little simple Bible verse, you know, I love him because he first loved me. When you talk about that love that he first gave you, is all of that and more. And your, my, my mind, and I'm just talking about me, because you know that's all I can do. So my limited mind tries to equate, tries to understand this love in the natural way. But you can, because it's a spiritual love. And you can't understand the natural, you can't understand the spiritual with your natural. He loved us so fully, and who we are and what we do is not a surprise to him. Sometimes we act, we're ashamed because of what we said or because of what we did. And he's like, girl, I knew you were gonna do that. 
I know you. I knew you were gonna react that way. Our shortcomings and mistakes and weaknesses don't change His love for us. So, you know, I know I knew that. They're an invitation for him to show up and show off and lavish you with grace and mercy. So when we make mistakes, when we feel um, shame, when we feel like we're not good enough to receive this love of God, he's saying to us, girl, come on. Let me show up and show up for you. Let me lavish you with this love like never before. Let me show you what I mean by it. And then... Just sit here with me. Because see, God will show up. Because you can't love somebody if there is not, if you're not there. There's a presence. So when God loves you, that means he's there. That he shows up. In the middle of the night, when you're crying, and when you're questioning, he's right there. His presence is there. He shows up for you. God shows up. You know, sometimes we said, ooh, let me call so-and-so, and then they don't pick up the phone. My kids say, well, you never pick up the phone. <laughs> so they call dad for everything. They call dad um, if they need an emergency. If it's an emergency, they just call dad. Because dad shows up, right? I have my phone on silencer. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I want to talk to you today about a woman. And this woman had no name. You know, it's amazing to me how sometimes the stories of, in the Bible about some women, they don't tell us the name, but they tell us their condition. Wow. Yeah. Right? They tell us that that was the woman with the issue of blood. That was the woman that, whose daughter, his, whose son got raised. But don't tell us the name. And I think it's because it's for us to understand what Jesus did. And it doesn't matter the name because then I can put my name, mm. right? I can say the story about Gladys in the Bible. There's a story about Becky in the Bible. There's a story about, and so I belong, it becomes my story. And for all of, the, all of those, and it's not a political statement, but all those things crazy that people are saying about God and Jesus not liking women too much, I'm going to tell you that Jesus was the number one fan of women. He was. There's not a story in the Bible when he's not uplifting a woman. When he's not questioning how others are behaving towards a woman. Where he doesn't tell that woman, you are loved. Jesus is for women, okay? If nothing else, you know that Jesus is for you. So let's read this a lot of Bible verses, okay? So we're going to read Luke 7, 36, 50. We're ready. A Pharisee invited Jesus to have dinner with him, and Jesus went to his house and sat down to eat. A Pharisee, that means a person that knew the word of God, right? It was a religious person. In the town was a woman who lived a sinful life. So what do we know about this woman? And so it's not like we talk with each other, you know, like I'm a sinner. She must have had a nice, interesting reputation, <laughs> right? Everybody knew her as the simple, as, as, the, sim, as the woman with a sinful life. Yeah. But you don't know why her life was sinful. 
You know, some, some commentators said that she was a prostitute or that she, you know, didn't have a good report. But you don't know what had to, what made, made her experience that. You don't know who had abused her. You don't know why she was making those decisions. You don't know that. We don't know that. We only know her condition. And we only know what people were saying about her because as we read, Jesus never called her a sinful woman. He didn't. The people around her. And how many of us are so concerned about what people tell, talk about us? They don't know your story. So they can, we can call her a sinful, a woman with a sinful life, but we don't know her story. She heard that Jesus was eating in the Pharisee's wife, so she brought an alabaster jar full of perfume. I love this woman, I'm telling you. She's a bold woman, right? She knows that the entire community is saying, look at that sinful woman. If she was a prostitute, that means that men in that town were doing... She, didn't, she wasn't prostituting on her own. That's all I'm saying. And this is not against me. I'm just saying it takes two to tango, okay? So if there was a simple woman. I'm sorry. If it was a simple woman, there were some simple men in that town. And they might have been in that house for all we know. I don't want to start any gossip or anything. But I'm just saying. Right? So she brought an alabaster jar full of perfume. They said that the alabaster jar was such an expensive perfume. Okay? And I'm jumping way, way ahead. It was made out of stone. The jar was made out of stone, and it was stone, and it was a seal. And so the only way you could have this perfume come out is if you broke it. Right? And it was a one-time use. And the women paid a lot of money. Some, in some, it says that about a year's worth of salary. That's what that alabaster jar. Okay? When the Pharisee saw this, when the Pharisee Simon saw this, he said to himself, Is this man really, if this man really were a prophet, he could know who this woman is who is touching him. He will know what kind of sinful life she lives. Oh my God, right? There's a, somebody said, oh, I'm holding my pearls, right? This sinful woman is <laughs> touching Jesus. Who cares? Just touching Jesus, Jesus' uh, sanctity and Jesus' um, wholeness doesn't change because you, are, you have a sin and you come to him. It doesn't change who he is. That's why it was okay that he touched, but Pharisees at that time said, we can't even be in the same room with sinful people. And Jesus said, oh, I want to be in the room with sinful people. See how much he loved them? He don't yes, care. Yes, yes. So Jesus, knowing what this man was thinking, said, Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to tell you. And he was like, oh, special attention. <laughs> yes, teacher, he said. Tell me, tell me. Well, not tell me, tell me. He just said, tell me. There were two men who owed money to a money lender. Jesus began. I love his stories. 
One owed him 500 silver coins, and the other owed him 50. Neither of them could pay him back. So he canceled the debts of both, which one then, which one then will love him more? He asked the Pharisee Jesus. He's, you know, he's good. <laughs> so Simon says, I suppose, answer Simon, that if it would be the it would be the one who was forgiven more. No, because one sin is more um, weightier than the other, but it was about the heart of the sinner. Right? So if you don't think that you need to be forgiven because your sin ain't, isn't all that, then you come to Christ carelessly, without honor, because you don't think that what he did was big enough for you. But when you know what you've done, what you've gone through, your thoughts, you know that without his love, without his forgiveness, your life will be not whole, then you come to him in a different way. You come to him, you feel unworthy, not because you are unworthy, but because you understand the weight and the power of his love. So Jesus says, you're right. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? In another version it says, you see this woman, don't you? I came into your home and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You did not welcome me with a kiss, but she has not stopped kissing my feet since I came. This sinful woman that you're, not, that you're trying to not see because of her sin has anointed me, has worshipped me in such a way that you who know the word of God, who's teaching it to others, they don't even have the decency to do. My words. Thank you. You did not welcome me with a kiss. You provided no olive oil for my head, but she has covered my feet with perfume. I tell you then, the great love she has shown proves that her many sins have been forgiven. Know that she was forgiven because um, she showed love. But she was shown love, therefore, she was showing love because she understood the value of her forgiveness. Yes. I don't want you to think that now you have to do things to receive forgiveness. You only have to do one thing, which is confess with your mouth that Jesus is Christ. And acknowledge that we are sinful and that we need him. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. I think I skipped one. I tell you then the great love she has shown proves that her many sins have forgiven. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The others, because now there were others, remember? The others sitting at the table began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? Do you mean to tell me? You were sitting in the presence of God and you did not know who you were in the presence of. You mean to tell me that you're just having dinner and you don't know all the things that Christ has already done? That now when he says you are forgiven, that now you question, well, who is he? Who is he? Well, who do you think he was? But Jesus said to the woman, 
Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Amen. Amen. My prayer today is that we imitate this woman and develop a regardless, without paying attention to the situation, despite the prevailing circumstances, anyway, nevertheless, nonetheless, determination to run towards Jesus. That's what I want, to be in his presence, to sit at his feet, to worship. She did not care. Women, women weren't allowed to be in the presence of, of Pharisees like that. You know, she, she broke all kinds of customs and culture just to be in the presence of Jesus. And sometimes we're so worried as to how high we raise our hands because of what other people may say. I love this woman because she's so bold, so courageous. So did you know, don't you think she already knew what everybody in the room was thinking about her? They were saying it as if she wasn't there. That's how invisible that woman was to everyone else in that room. They didn't care. It was, she was unrelenting on her determination to get to Jesus. As I told you, this woman came to Jesus' presence, heard that Jesus was in this house. She hasn't seen him yet, but she heard and immediately she ran to this house with this alabaster box. You, if she was a prostitute, you don't know how many nights she had to sleep with somebody that was abusing her to be able to pay for that perfume. How much abuse she had to receive to be able to pay for that perfume. You don't know, when you see people here crying, you don't know their circumstances and how much it costs that worship to for them. Breaking that jar is, means presenting yourself broken to Christ. Freshly each time that you come to Christ, you gotta break a new alabaster jar. You can't come with an old praise and an old worship and an old um, stand towards the presence of God. Every time you come has to be new. Very good. Very good. Every time you come. She brought her best offering. She just didn't bring anything. It was the most expensive, best offering that she could give to God. And I am loved means that, that you bring God the best, not because you are earning his love, but because there is no other way to present yourselves in front of the, the God that has saved you. You bring your best. And you should not matter who is here, who is not here, who the critics are, what do they say, there's a Bible verse that I can't remember exactly, but kind of the gist is this. To worry about what other people say brings a snare to God. So I want to tell you today a few things, and I know we're going to pray. So I want to remind you these things. And we're going to go through them. But if I don't get to everything, I want you to know this. I want you to know that Jesus knows you. He knows you, and he's not scared of it. I want you to know that he hears you, that he sees you, and that he heals you. So my goal is that we remember as we look at this woman, that could be me, that could be you. 
that in the midst of whatever, whoever, or whatever was being said, that Jesus knew her, that Jesus saw her, even if the Pharisees didn't, that Jesus heard, heard her, heard, was able to hear her even without adding words, and that he healed her at the end. He, Jesus knows us. He said, the Pharisee says to him on verse 39, the Pharisee said to himself, if this man really were a prophet, he would know who, he's, who this woman is. He will know who this woman is and who is touching him. Don't you know God already? Like, he does know who this woman is. Right? I, felt, I was reading this story, Pastor, and I was like, oh, I feel like yelling at this man. I really wanted to slap him a little bit, I'm just saying. Just a tad bit. Just a, a tiny on the forehead, like, shut up. Oh. God knew, Jesus knew who she was. But she, he wanted her, him to say, oh, you sinner woman, please don't touch my feet anymore. That's what he wanted, right? But Jesus knew her inner workings, the inner workings of her soul, her emotions, her story, her feelings, um, her hurt. And then I said, no, this is what I want this woman to be, right here with me, in my presence. He knew how her brain was wired, just like he knows how ours is. She, he, he knew um, the rhythm of her heart and when her heart skipped a beat, just like he does with us. And so when we, one of my favorite Psalms is 139. And so when we say God knows you and Jesus knows you, we know that he alone knows us sitting down and on getting up even before we do it. Amen. That he can reach your thoughts from far away. And I'm, I was thinking about, I was thinking about when I was um, mother of my younger children. And when I knew that they weren't doing, I, like I didn't know exactly what was happening, right? I just didn't know, but I knew that something wasn't gelling in there. So I would say, well, you know, God knows everything. And you know, he's gonna, he's gonna reveal it to me, so you can do whatever you want, but I'm gonna know. And then the consequences are gonna be worse. Or in the next portion of like, I was, my mom used to say, well, you know, God sees everything. But when we say that, we present a punitive God, right? But when he knows our ways, when we say he's familiar with all, all our ways, it's not because he's a punitive God. It's because he knows that we're going to fall short and he's going to be right there to catch us. He, lay, he knows when we lay um, our head down. He knows if we try to hide, he's going to find us. He created our inner being. He needed us together before we were even in our mother's wombs. So when this man asks, well, does he know? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. He knows every day of our lives. I always say he counted every hair and number each one of them. God knows you. And what he knows about you doesn't scare him except... He doesn't, he doesn't scare him, but brings him closer to you. He calls you closer to him because he knows you. His thoughts are precious concerning us, and they are vast in number. That's what the Bible says. They're precious thoughts 
towards us. We present sometimes a God that is not, does not have precious thoughts. But the Bible says that he has precious thoughts towards us. So the answer to the Pharisee to me was, yeah, I know that Jesus will say, yeah, I know. Jesus knew exactly who she was. He knew her name. And when you know somebody's names, you know um, everything about them. Everything about them. He was pleased with her demonstration of love. He knew that she was forgiven. He knew that he had forgiven her. He knew that he was going to die for her. He knew that while others considered her unworthy, Jesus considered her worthy. That while others wanted to kick her out of the room and felt that and, and acted as, she, as if she was unwelcome, Jesus was welcoming her. And while, it, um, and while others were pointing at her, at her um, sinful life, he was pointing at her purpose. We don't know anything about her except that she gave, that she was, um, that she presented her best to her Savior. What else there is there to know? That she worshiped him lavishly. What else is there to know? So we know that Jesus knows her. We know that Jesus sees us. Amen. The Bible says that um, he said to the Pharisee, do you see her? And you know, I, we use that a lot. I see you, girl. Right? Don't we say that? And that means like, you know, you look cute. I see you. Sometimes we say, I see you because you're doing something bad. Right? Like you don't want your boss to say, oh, I see you. Right? But you want to say, oh, I see you because that means that you're doing great things. Right? At the time when Jesus said to the Pharisee, do you see this woman? Women were invisible. They weren't even counted. Right? When he fed the 5,000, they only counted the men. So think about it. So if they counted the men, 5,000, they got to be at least 5,000 women and children. So he probably fed about 20,000 people. That's just my math. Do you see this woman? And in another version says, don't you? Don't you? And so what he was saying is, and then he said, do you see this woman, Simon? Do you see her love? Do you see her repentance? Do you see her devotion? That's what I see. When God sees you, he sees all of that. He sees all of that. Those around the table and present in the house view her with disdain. They felt comfortable talking and gossiping about her as if she didn't exist. But God, Jesus took the time to stop the conversation, stop the dinner, rise her up and said, do you see this woman? Do you see how she loves me? Do you see how she has accepted my love in such a way that she doesn't care what you're saying? Because all she cares is running is me. All she cares is to please me. And I want to tell you, God sees you. God sees your sacrifice. God sees your cries at night. God sees all that. And he doesn't dismiss it like other people might be dismissing you. He welcomes it. He wants you to come to him. The enemy is working overtime 
I'm telling you, I see it on, our, on my students. I see it on the teens. We, we talk a lot about kids and how they're behaving, but what we don't realize is it's their soul that is calling out, right? So they might be behaving, but that's just a symptom of what's really going inside their heart. Because they perhaps don't know that the great creator, the I am, the I am, the rock of my salvation, the cornerstone, sees them daily and loves them unconditionally. So the enemy is working over time to distort our mind. He's playing with us. But he doesn't know that he's already lost. You know? He wants you to believe that Jesus sees you as unworthy and lovable, broken, insignificant, invisible, unwelcome, filthy, guilty, as a mistake, lonely and, and lonely. I don't care what, how you see yourself today or what the enemy is saying to you. I'm here to tell you that God, Jesus, sees you differently. He sees the person he created in his image. And at the end of creation, he said that he was good. And at the end of creating the woman, he didn't create anything else. I'm just saying. So we must be really good, right? I mean, you're excellent. You're good. He sees, you, he sees you worthy. He sees you whole. He sees you redeemed. He sees you victorious. He sees you love. He calls you a child of his child. He sees you as his workmanship. That means that he put time on you. Amen. He sees you with purpose that you are not alone. You are not invisible. The word says that the eyes of the Lord go to and fro. And I always imagine all these eyes just walking, uh, going to and fro throughout the earth. Looking for those whose hearts are right towards him. So he's always looking, always seeing you. You're not a mistake. I don't care what people have said to you. You're not a mistake. Or what you have said to yourself. It's not always what people are saying to you. But sometimes it's what we're saying to ourselves. You're here on assignment. There is something that God wants to reveal about himself. That out of the six billion people on this earth, he chose you. So there's something about you that they're all powerful, all knowing, all seeing God said nobody else can reflect that, but only this one human being. So how could you be call yourself a mistake? Because if you call yourself a mistake, then you're saying that God made a mistake. And I have a perfect God that makes no mistakes, that does not change his mind. That he's not a man that should lie, neither the son of man that shall repent. So if he's all those things, then I'm not a mistake because he doesn't make a mistake. Right? I make mistakes, but he doesn't. Six billion plus people, and he chose you. I am loved, that's what I'm loved means. Your, your current situation, your decisions, your gifts, the way you laugh, the way you love, the way you sing or not sing, the way you speak or not speak, all of that was determined by God for a purpose. So if he is the God, the creator of all things, the I am that I am, took all that time to put all these characteristics together, your fingerprints don't match anybody else's fingerprint. Your voice, vocal cords don't match anybody else. Do you think that a God that 
thought of you as a mistake, we'll put all that time and design. They can't redesign us. You know, science is trying to create human beings, but they can just copy us. But you're an original. There's nobody else like you. You are an original. Tell your friend, you're an original. You know, I love art. I love art from the Renaissance. You're an original, Pablo. And sometimes we're very original. Yeah. One of a kind, right? Like, I'm one of a kind. Did you just say special? Oh. I just heard like I'm very special. Okay. The original always costs more than the print. And what it cost Christ was the cross. It cost the cross. That was God because it was not on my notes. God hears you. Amen. God hears you. He not only sees you, but he hears you. You don't even have to utter a single word. He's hearing you. When you sit at your chair or your bed and you're just silent, he's hearing you. He's hearing your thoughts. He's hearing your heart. You don't have to say anything. That's the amazingness of our God. For my husband to know how I feel, I gotta tell him. Right? I gotta say, honey, I'd be good. <laughs> Turn that MBA off for a minute and listen to me. <laughs> how many playoff games is in one day? That's all I wanna know. <laughs> and then he's, you know, baseball, football, golf, I mean. I'm, to say a word for God to hear me. He's not afraid of your emotions. You know, sometimes we try to hide our emotions. Jesus is not afraid of our emotions. He created those. He wants your emotions. Because when you cry, He collects every single tear. You know, as you are like wiping your tears, He's like, oh no, 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 that tear goes on this bottle. Number 20,532. He collects them. And when you sit in his presence, who do you want him to be for you today? Ask him. Do you need him to be your savior? Do you want him to be your healer, your daddy, your friend, your provider, your protector? Just ask him. And he will be that exactly what you need. And finally, I want to talk about how Jesus heals us. The Bible says, then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. That means your failures, your mistakes, whatever it is, those are forgiven. They have been let go. And he's telling us to also leave them alone. If Jesus forgave you, would you forgive yourself? You know, he forgives us, and then I'll go and pick that sin back up, and that guilt back up, and that shame back up. And so what I'm really saying is like, you know, Jesus, I know you forgave me, and I know that 
you took care of that feeling of guilt and condemnation and shame but I don't know if your sacrifice was good enough so let me take it back until I feel comfortable enough that you know what you're doing with my shame and my guilt and my condemnation if he forgave you then why are we still dwelling on all of that and I'm not talking about you because I'm talking about me Every time that I go back to that, I'm telling Jesus, that wasn't good enough what you did for me. It's almost like saying, you didn't know what you were doing when you died on that cross. Let me pick it up. Let me carry a little longer. And he said, but I, I forgave you at the cross. I forgave you at the cross. Embrace his love and forgive yourself to that. Then he says, the other sitting at the table, um, I'm sorry. He told you're forgiven. So the other people at the table said, well, who is he? Right? So Jesus said, that's okay. That's okay. So if your forgiven is not good enough for you, let me do one better. Your faith has, sa- your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith in me, your trust, your confidence, your assurance in Jesus has saved you, has delivered you, has made you whole and restored you. That's what that word save means. It has healed you. It has made you whole. That faith of you running to me and uh, um, dropping at my feet, that faith that made you push through the crowd to get to me, that faith, now faith, is the evidence of things. That faith has made you whole. And then he says, go in peace. Go in peace. Go in peace means enter my rest. Enter my wholeness. When we're in the peace of God, disorder and confusion don't have a place. Right? Because he's a God of order. That peace, that word peace means flourishing. Become all that I've called you to become. Go and do that. Go and love unconditionally everybody else. Go and fear nothing and no one. Just go and reflect me. Go in peace. Where nothing is broken, where there is no distress, where nothing is missing. Just go and live the life, abundant life that God has for you. That's what he's saying. Go in peace. I wanted to finish with the following. First John 4, 19, he said, yeah. So after you know that Jesus knows you, that Jesus heals you, that Jesus hears you, that Jesus heals you. This is how I imagine myself saying, yeah, we love him because he first loved us. He first loved us. When you receive his love, you worship differently. She worshiped differently. You love, you worship and you love because the reason we do it, right? Because we know that his love is sufficient. 
no greater love than his because Jesus embraced us in such a way because he made us we love because while others may see our mistake Jesus sees our end we love because we know that our condition does not scare Jesus away we love because he loved us before during and after we love because he sees us at the molecular level past all our walls how many walls do we have I love to watch all these movies about um, the FBI and the CIA. You know, it's in an impenetrable the White House. You can't just go in. I think I probably have more walls than those, right? We worship because all that we, when we, all that we're hidden behind our masks and our smiles, He sees that and loves you beyond that, past that. He knows you past that. He sees you past the smile, past the mask. He hears you past all of that. We love and we worship because his love makes us whole. Because he restores us. I love the story of Peter. Peter is one of my favorite disciples because he just did whatever, right? He cut somebody's ear, oh, oops, right? He cursed, I hear well. That's how, right? That's Pete. That's you. Why are you pointing at us? I don't put it at you. I mean, you're the one that put your finger in somebody's. <laughs> Peter. <laughs> so after Jesus was resurrected, Peter felt ashamed of what he had done, which was to deny Jesus three times. And he went back to his old ways. Don't we do that sometimes? When we feel shame and guilt, we go back to the old way. <clears throat> And Jesus found him, made some fish for him to feed his soul. And he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yeah, then go do. And then he's like, okay. And he said, Peter, do you love me? You know I do. He said, okay, go feed my sheep. And then a third time, and now if I'm, you know, it's Peter. He said, now you know, you know I love you. But what Jesus was doing, he was restoring him because he was at a fire that he had denied him and it was at a fire that he had restored him. God took him right where he was, same spot sometimes, so he can restore you. Amen. And we love and we worship because he loved, his love freed us. So when we said I'm loved, I don't know about you, but just my soul feels full to know that there's no one else but God himself that has restored me, that has saved me, that has sacrificed for me, that knows my ins and outs and still there for me. And so today, I just want you to remind you that you are loved. I feel like y'all need a big hug. Come on, hug the person next to you. Y'all need a hug. there's some broken hearts today that people are crying out for Christ so if you see 
yourself on this woman, right? Nobody knew her name, but Jesus did. Everybody thought of her as a sinful woman, but Jesus saw her as whole and healed. And God, and Jesus, you know, when he died for us and resurrected, whenever people call you, whenever the enemy wants to accuse you, he stands up, he's at the right hand of God, and says, uh-uh. I already forgave her. See, my blood has made her clean. So I don't care what you're saying, enemy. I don't care what you're saying of yourself. She's whole because I made her whole. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. If you would like to find information about who we are or how to donate so that we can keep doing what we're doing, please check us out at www.scarletnotes.org. See you next time.